Praise the Lord, everyone. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today. Don't you think so? Why don't we praise the Lord one more time today? If you're grateful to be in the house of the Lord today, why don't we praise the Lord? Thank you. You know, today I was coming and preparing for the message. I'm like, man, I'm so excited. You know, when you're preaching, uh, I, I don't know about Brother Charles. And uh, for pastor, it's very normal. Uh, he, do, he does it in his sleep, probably. You know, but then, uh, you know, when you're preaching for the first few times, you get very nervous. And you're like, man, I hope I, I don't mess up or whatever it is. But I genuinely believe God has a word for the congregation today. You know, and I, it just so happened that my, one of my favorite songs is Tones. You know, and I'm so glad we sang that song today in this service. And, and I remember when I was watching the interview of the songwriter and they asked her, you know, what was the premise of this song? And, and she said that when she was coming across that scripture in, in the book of Psalms, she said that it just hit her that she would not want anything to, to out-sing her, out-worship her, out-praise God. I mean, that is like, I would think that's the ultimate insult if the trees and the stones start praising God. Don't you think so? I mean, God has given us a wonderful mouthpiece. He's given us the ability to worship and praise Him. And if, if today a stone or a tree gets to out-worship me, I would be really insulted. You know, and, and she said it really pushed her to do it. And, I, and, and today, when I come to you today, I really feel that it's a word of God that's for the congregation today, and I feel confident of what the God has in store for you. So today, uh, I cannot tell you whether the message is going to be short or long. You know, pray that God will help me finish by lunchtime, all right? Um, and I'll try my best, all right? So what is this series? So we're going to be covering a whole new series um, throughout these next few weeks, all right? Besides myself, there'll be other preachers who'll be sharing. And this series is called To Know Christ, all right? This series is called To Know Christ. Okay, And it's a series that is designed to help us take Jesus out of the box of our current understanding so that He can become all that He really is in our lives today. All right, and, and today's first message, the introduction message, is, I feel appropriately titled, I Want to Know Christ. How many of you here want to know Christ today? Why don't you raise up your hand? Lord Jesus, today, Lord, I pray for this congregation. Lord, I pray for everyone who's on live stream. Lord, I pray for everyone who's hearing the word of God today. Lord, I pray has their honest desire is to know you today. I pray that you will honour that request, that you will honour that desire. And I pray that the word that will go forth and touch them. And I pray for a spirit of revelation in this place today, Lord. And I pray, illuminate your word today, Lord. I pray, let may you come alive in their lives, Lord, in their homes, and your workplaces in every area in every aspect of their life today and I pray they will never be same again oh Lord Father we thank you for all that you're doing in our lives Lord we thank you and I pray that we will truly be able to behold you Lord throughout this entire series oh Lord Father in Jesus name we pray Amen 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 alright so the title of the message is I want to know Christ so obviously the first question I have to ask you is who is Jesus right see Luke writes in the ninth chapter of his gospel, verses 18 to 20. All right, I'm going to read that scripture. So once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowd say, I am? They replied, mm, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, uh, still others, one of the prophets of long, long ago, you know, has come back to life. And then Jesus pauses and he says, so what about you? I mean, you guys have been hanging out with me all this while, right? 
Uh, forget about what the other people say. Who do you say I am? All right? And that is a question he is asking each and every one of us today. Because we are, we call ourselves Christians. We come to church every Sunday. You know, we, we watch live stream prayer meeting. You know, we, we sing worship song. You know, and, 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 and we, to a certain extent, we pride ourselves to be a faithful follower of Christ. And the question that Jesus is asking us today is, who do you say I am today? All right? And throughout your whole life, okay, you'll be asked many questions. Okay? Uh, some questions are not really that big of a deal. Okay? What, what kind of questions? Uh, kopi or kopi o? You know, for breakfast, what you, what, what you want to have? Okay? You go eat lunch. Chili or no chili? Uh? I don't know whether I'm feeling it today. Oh, I'm scared to have diarrhea. See you later. Okay, maybe no chili. Uh? Okay? Hot or cold? You know, ice milo or hot milo? You know, or when you eat steak, medium rare or well done? Right? Medium rare for me, okay? I just let you know first, okay? Uh, some, some of you might be well done, okay? Okay, and of course, Coke or Pepsi, okay? I know for Daryl, no need to say like, Coke, lah, bro, okay? So, these are all not so important questions, okay? But then there are questions that are pretty important, okay? What course am I going to take in uni? Because that is most likely going to determine what I'm going to do in my career, okay? What career do I want to pursue? What job do I want to take on? Who am I going to marry? Right? Because your life partner kind of determines where you go in direction in life. You know? What, um, and what, what type of house? Where are you going to buy your house? Which location? You know, what's affordable? What's near my parents? You know, these are important questions. And when you get married, how many children are you going to have? Oh, I don't have children. Uh, you know? Oh, I want to have one or two kids. You know, I want to have like seven kids. Okay? God bless you if you have seven kids. Um, you know, th these are very important questions for you to have, uh, to know, okay? And sometimes, are you going to fight to restore the relationship or just give up? Anyways, these are very important questions because sometimes there are some relationships you just don't give up on. And you can ask a parent, even when a child misbehaves or a child gives them well, headache, huge headaches, and, and well, no matter what, you know, I'm pretty sure a parent will say, man, I'm not going to give up my child. No matter what. You know, and there are some relationships that are just worth fighting for and you will just not give up. See, all these are pretty important questions. But, I, but today you need to understand there is one central question that we all must deal, wrestle and struggle with for the rest of our lives. Now till the time that Jesus comes back. And it's a question that was asked 2,000 years ago and it is a question that still continues to be asked today by that Galilean carpenter, who do you say I am? And that important question that you will be asked is the, and the answer to that question will be the most important answer you give because you know why? That is going to determine every aspect of your life. Every decision that you make is going to be that central focus. Who you say Jesus is is going to determine what you're going to do in your life. Right? If, if Jesus is just a prophet of long ago, you might not take him that seriously. You know, if he was just a teacher then maybe you might just believe some of his teachings. But if God, if Jesus is who you really believe he is, if he's really the one true God, the one almighty God, then every aspect of your life is going to go through what Jesus thinks. Alright? And you see, Jesus says, I genuinely believe, you see, this message, why is going to change you today? Or this series as a whole, why is it going to change today? Not because I'm preaching or, or Brother Charles or whoever is going to be preaching next. But because Jesus said, in his final week of his life, 
in John chapter 12, verse 32. When I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to myself. See, Jesus was talking specifically about being lifted up on the cross. But today, I believe we still can lift up Jesus. You see, we lift Him up in our lives, in this auditorium, in our worship earlier when we were singing, in, our, in, in the teaching today that we are hearing, in, in our speech, in, in, in the way that we converse with people, you know, in our lifestyle choices, be it so holiness, you know, and, um, and, 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 and be it so in our opinions and the way that we express what we share. In every single thing, we can lift up Jesus, you know, and that's how we can draw all men nigh unto Him. Amen? Amen. So, now we're going to dive into this message today and we're going to be exploring three primary statements. Three very, very simple statements. Okay, I'm going to make it very simple for you. Okay, we begin with the first statement. Okay, first one, we don't fully know Him. That's the first statement. We don't fully know Him. Alright? So, let me repeat that. Okay? We don't fully know Jesus. And when I say that question or that statement today, how does that make you feel? Some of you maybe may feel surprised. Huh? What is this guy telling me? I don't know Jesus. You know, some of you might be a bit confused. I thought I knew Jesus quite well. I may be reading his word. You know, I'll be coming to church faithfully. Uh, some of you might be angry or offended. You're like, who is this young punk come up here tell me I don't know Jesus? I've been serving God faithfully for so many years. You know, some of you might even feel slightly insecure. You see, when you got up this morning, you came to church, you sang about Jesus, you gave your tithes and offerings, things you have done for years. And then suddenly today I'm telling you, you don't fully know Jesus. Or do you fully agree that you don't really know Jesus? When I read through, when I was going through this message, I, 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 I begin to have this understanding, this revelation that, hey, you know what? Maybe I don't really know Jesus. You know, Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 to 10, all right? This is Paul. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness which is from the law, but for which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God my, by faith that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed to His death. Okay? The man who wrote this scripture, okay, for those, I mean, most probably, most of you are familiar about it, if you don't know, is the Apostle Paul. He is the man. Right? He's, like, he's almost like the benchmark. Okay? He was the man who had many personal encounters with Jesus. Okay? He was a man who spent three years one-on-one, -on -one, okay, being taught by him in, in, in Arabic and Galatians. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, I want, to, I want you to understand the gospel message I preach. is not based on mere human reasoning. I received it. I received the message not from a human source. No one taught me. Instead, I received it by direct revelation by Jesus Christ. Paul says this. So this man was a man who had one-on-one -on -one sessions with Jesus. He was a man that Jesus personally asked him to represent him. You know, he had a man who had a, a road to Damascus experience. He was blinded, you know, kind of like how I'm being blinded by this light right now. 
Okay? And, 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 and he was a man who was willing to go without food or water, be beaten, betrayed, whipped, stoned, put into prison, all in order to live for Jesus. Now he was a man that Jesus asked him to write 13 books of the New Testament. Come on, 13 books of the New Testament that we live by and we read. Now he was a man who meant, embodied and lived the following statement, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. 2,000 years ago from a prison cell, that man, Apostle Paul, wrote that. His resume is impeccable if you think about it. But do you see what Paul is saying? Despite all this, Paul is saying that he has given up all the stuff that he used to do in his attempt to measure up to God. And instead, he now simply accepts the righteousness that comes by faith and through knowing Christ Jesus. And then Paul continues with these words in verse 10. He says, I want to know Christ. He did not say, I know Christ. I mean, if, if anything, he is, he's probably one of the best people to say, I know Christ, right? I've already shared with you his resume. It's, it's really great. If anybody should say it, he should say it. But Paul, in the midst of all this, he says, I want to know Christ. So if anything it shows you is, we can never really come to an end where we say, yeah, we know everything about Jesus. We know everything about God today. Because every day with God, it's a new revelation of who He is. Every day with God, you have, a, you have a new understanding of who He is and what He can do for you. You see, now, don't misunderstand me today. When I stand here, you know, I am not saying you don't know anything about Jesus, okay? Whatever you have learned, all these lies, lies, you know. No, I'm not saying that, okay? I am not saying that uh, whatever you know has not impacted and changed your life and has brought hope, peace, joy, light, and purpose where there had been none. In fact, what we know of Jesus has changed our lives. We are not the same people that we were the first time we met Him. I know I can say that. Okay, and that is all good. But there's so much more to knowing Jesus. And that means we need to get past cliches and stereotypes. You know, for people, I mean, if, if you don't know, for cliches and stereotypes, it's, it's just something that it's like a, a, a thing that people always say and then people start to believe it, you know, oh, like, oh, yeah, um, this food is always, maybe this fruit is always fruit and everybody believes that this version of the food is sweet. But then until you taste a bitter one, you're like, hey, wait, maybe not all the food is sweet. I have taste like bitter versions of it. And, and sometimes it's like a stereotype, you know, there are, and if you know, there are often negative stereotypes of, of people, of circumstances, of situations, of, 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 of uh, organizations, of every, uh, even church. People have negative stereotypes of church. Wouldn't you agree? Right? We, we, uh, and especially Jesus. You know, people always, they see Christians and they think, ah, oh, Christ, Jesus must not be a nice person sometimes. Because why? Because the reflection of a Christian does not truly reflect who Jesus is sometimes. And they have these stereotypes. So today, we need to go past those cliches and those stereotypes and to get past other people's prejudice, opinions, and agendas. You know why? Because the Bible gives us a heads up on such people and buying to their school of thoughts. Because sometimes we hear what people say and then sometimes we, we're easily swayed. We're like, oh yeah, actually, whatever that person says makes sense. Huh? Yeah, yeah, that person looks, sounds very credible. They sound very knowledgeable. Okay? Proverbs chapter 18 Verse 2, the New Living Translation version says, Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. Right? 
And there are fools out there. I mean, I might consider myself a fool sometimes too, you know, but there are fools out there and all they want to do is they just want to share their opinion. And more than ever, we live in a time that is a platform for everyone to view their opinion. Be it so TikTok, be it so Instagram, be it so uh, uh, YouTube or, or Facebook, online, internet, every single aspect of it, there is a platform for people to view whatever they think and whatever they feel. You know, and, and, and slowly the, the, the people of God might slowly buy into it. Okay? And we must be careful because these opinions and preconceived ideas begin to affect how we view Jesus and His Word. And they can eventually distort how we come to know Jesus and everything that is associated with Him. See, it is a dangerous and costly thing to believe that you have Christ all figured out. And if you need proof of this, you don't need to look any further than the Pharisees of the first century. I mean, think about it. These guys really missed it, man. They were like right in front of Jesus. Eh? They had like first class seats. They had the front row seats to Jesus. Jesus in his peak form was preaching like the, the best messages, you know, the parables and, and people were like mind blown. You're like, oh my goodness, his teaching is so powerful. His, his teaching is such authority. But, but the Pharisees could not see past Jesus. You know, well, you see, you see what, what, what they say. I mean, Jesus, their Messiah, was literally standing right in front of them and they didn't even see it, okay? Because they had already defined Christ in their own minds. Okay. For example, in Luke chapter 7, these guys watched Jesus as he forgave the woman who anointed his feet with perfume for all her sins. Right? I mean, everybody, I, I think even sometimes even Christians know that, not non-Christians know that story about how this lady came and, and she washed the feet of Jesus, you know, with her hands. She broke this really expensive perfume. And it's such a powerful story when you when you when you read it, when you hear about it, and you're like, wow. Wow, and these, these Pharisees had access to that, you know, but they refused to seek that same forgiveness. Think about it. They're all in the very presence of the one who could and would forgive every sin of their lives, but they didn't even ask him. Why? Because they had domesticated, they had declawed, they had tossed Jesus in this box. They had tamed him down, the version of Jesus that they had in their mind, and then closed the lid on him. And they would, they would think, like, man, Jesus is supposed to be the saviour, right? The Messiah is supposed to be the saviour. He's supposed to be a king. Why God king will let this type of lady touch him? Man? You know, why would, why would he do that? They had a perception of who Jesus should be or they had a perception of who their Messiah should be. And because as a result of that, they closed the lid on Jesus and they could not see and and experience and receive Christ for who He is. Alright? And I'm going to give you a, a, a mini illustration. Alright? Uh, just give me a while. Got the chance? Yes. Can you just help me open this? Thank you very much. Okay. So there's two boards here I'm going to show you. Okay? I have two boards over here. Brother Charles is opening up the other board. Okay? I'm just going to get uh, maybe Brother Charles and maybe Brother Paul if you can help me. Okay? I'm just going to give them two markers, okay? I'm just going to let you, Brother Charles, write something negative about me, okay? Hey, don't be scared, lah. I, I know I'm preaching today. No need to be so scared, okay? Uh, Brother Paul, here you go. You can have, the, you have another marker, okay? Uh, you can write many things, you know? Not many 
You uh, wow. Wow. Oh, okay. It's like Jesus, right? Cannot contain all the books like that, right? Okay, okay. Bro, bro, and it has many as it has one. You know, if it's if it's fake, it's fine. If it's real, after the service we pray through. Okay? <laughs> Alright? So so take your time. Okay, write one, two, three. It, it just just write, it's okay. Just use whatever marker, just write. Okay? Okay, just write whatever you want. Okay, no pressure. Okay? So I've given Brother Charles and Brother Paul an opportunity to air their grievances, you know. And, and maybe today it might be a service about forgiveness after all. You know, so we, we don't know yet, okay? So I'm going to let them write about that, okay? Brother Charles, I think he needs the whole service. <laughs> if you're done, it's okay. You don't have to write a lot. You don't have to, you don't have, there's no certain number. Wow, wow, wow. Okay, 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 okay. Lunch on me, bro. Lunch on me. Bro, Paul, you have or not? Have a... Why he like... <laughs> Maybe I should have thought through this exercise. I'm slightly worried now already. Okay, one minute. Okay, one minute, huh? Feels like a kid's church lesson. Hey, bro, it's okay. It's okay. It's, it's fine. I'm going to share with the audience, all right? It's, it's, I'm fine with it. You know, if it's really bad, then I just no choice. Huh? After the service, I have to recover. Ken, done? Okay, done already. Okay, oh, you got one. Okay, praise the Lord. Okay, can I have the board back? Thank you. Oh, is it? Yeah, of course. Oh, okay, yeah, that's true. That is very true. Oh, okay. <laughs> Okay, I show Brother Paul's one first, huh? Okay, Brother Paul's one. If you cannot see, he's a football fan. Okay, if you don't know, he's a Liverpool fan. Okay, he wrote there the number one negative thing about me is I'm a Newcastle fan. Okay, <laughs> if you're if you're a football fan, you understand that. Okay, Newcastle is a very terrible club. Okay, and I support them. <laughs> okay, so thank you very much, uh, Brother Paul. Uh, that's a very heavy indictment of me. Uh, thank you very much. Okay. And then we have, wow, hey, these are very true, sir. Very, very true. I, I'm trying to work on this, okay? Brother Charles right here, late for meetups, okay? It's, it's very true, okay? I'm, I'm hardly punctual. I, I'm trying my best. I'm, re I'm really trying my best. So this is a negative thing that Brother Paul and Brother Charles wrote about me, okay? And, and today, and if, if maybe given an opportunity, maybe everybody, if, if we think about it in life, you all have a, a, maybe like a mental whiteboard, Okay? And when you go through life, whatever people say things about you, okay, you will start to mentally write these things on your whiteboard about what people think about you. Okay? And as you go through life, if you start to believe it, it's going to be dangerous. right? But every time you come into the presence of God, you, know, you have an opportunity to renew your mind. You have an opportunity to do away with lies, preconceived ideas, opinions. Okay? You start to wipe it away. And you have a clean white slate once again. And God gives you a renewed mind every single time. Because you know why? Because these things are not true. Okay? Because you can. I mean, I mean I'm going to come to that later, but these things do not define who you are. You know, and sometimes we allow preconceived notions and lies and, and, and stereotypes and cliches to define who you are. 
And we have this whiteboard and, 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 and we, we, we allow these things to, to determine who we are. But you see, sometimes it becomes dangerous when I can't erase that off. Because what Brother Charles say, that was a permanent marker. And we live long enough in lies. If we live long enough in stereotypes, if we live long enough in deception, it will become like a permanent marker. And you're going to find it hard to erase that off. And today, what I'm telling you is not about you. I'm telling you that we have this mental whiteboard about Jesus. We come into this service, we come into sermons, we come into the presence of God and we have these ideas of who He is. And sometimes because of our own experiences, maybe with our parents, you know, or maybe with people around us, and we begin to think, oh, Jesus is scary. And guess what? We write, Jesus is scary. And guess what? The next time you need forgiveness, you're not going to go and find Him. Why? Because He's permanently etched in your mind that Jesus is scary. You need to have the fear of the Lord, yes. But He's not scary. Jesus is always willing to embrace anyone. He's always waiting at the edge of His throne to just come out and forgive someone. You see, and everybody has a, diff a diff different definition of who Jesus is and who God is. And sometimes because or sometimes what the church believes in, we also have a wrong perception of what the church, the pastor what God represents. Or because, you know, sometimes I hear what well, the church huh, got so many rules. And then we write in our mental board, church is boring. Church is restrictive. God is judgmental. God is restrictive. And if you stay long enough, that becomes permanently etched in your mind. And just generally like this, I cannot erase it off. And to be honest, there, are, there, there is solutions or chemicals that you can use to remove it. But guess what? It's going to be super hard to remove it. And guess what? That the, that's what the Pharisees had. They had permanently defined who Jesus is in their mind. They had permanently defined who God is in their mind. And that's why they couldn't, uh, to, they couldn't receive Him for who He is. So today... My warning to you, my feedback, my, my, my only request for you is do not permanently define who He is. You know, we must be able to come into the presence of God and be able to do away with certain notions and preconceived. It's okay to hear, but you must also be willing to let go. Alright? Hold on to the things that are true. You know, He is a saviour. He is my, my he is my peacemaker. He, he he gives me he brings me peace. He brings me joy. He brings me strength. He is my provider. He is my salvation. He is my friend. He is my father. He is holy. All these things are true. Hold on to these things. Guess what? Those things are in permanent marker. Fantastic. Because if those things are in permanent marker, when you come through a tough time, guess what? It's there still. You know, it's not erased off in tough times. Those things are okay to have in a permanent marker because those things are the ones that are going to get you through a tough time. Alright? You see, Jesus, if you think about it, he was a very hard man to figure out. Okay? Okay? I want to show a picture, maybe before I go into the second statement. Okay? Uh, I think, can you show the first picture, if you don't mind, the, of the, the desk? Yeah. That is a desk that has been well painted, 
Okay, but after a while, peel off, old, like rusty, you know. And sometimes we are like that. Okay, if you go to the next one, next picture, and that is after the pain has been stripped away, you scrape all the peelings. The real beauty of that table is underneath that pain. Likewise, Jesus, the real beauty of Jesus is underneath all these preconceived ideas. And this service and the coming services, the word of God is going to go forth, is going to help to strip away all those false notions. It's going to help to strip away those peelings and it's going to reveal the real beauty of who Jesus is. All right? All right, now I'm going to go to the second statement. Okay? First statement covered. Second statement. Jesus is a hard guy to pin down. Okay? Jesus is a hard guy to pin down. So there's this book written by this man called Leonard Sweet. Okay, it is called Jesus Drives Me Crazy. Okay? Now the premise of the book is just that Jesus drives his followers crazy. He is so unpredictable, so hard to pin down. I mean, just when you thought you had Jesus, we got out. Out of nowhere, he suddenly pulls 180 and everything that Jesus did and said is, was so unpredictable in the times that he lived in. You never really see it coming. It's the opposite of conventional thinking. See, Jesus said that the way up is down. Okay, how do I know that? Luke chapter 14, verse 11. Do we have that scripture? For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Okay, the way in is out. John chapter 15, verse 19. Okay, you have that scripture. The way, the way first is last. Matthew chapter 19, verse 30. If you were of the world, but, sorry, yes, there you go. But many who are first will be last and the last first, and so on. You see, Jesus says the way of success is service. Matthew 23, verse 11. The way of attainment is relinquishment. Matthew chapter 19, verse 29. Mark chapter 8, verse 35. The way of strength is weakness. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. For when I'm weak, he is strong. Paul says, the way of security is vulnerability and openness. James chapter 5, verse 16. The way of protection is forgiveness. Okay, that means, it means going to your brother and saying, hey bro, I'm struggling with this. Help me, pray for me. You know, and, and, and I'm going to pray, I'm going to forgive someone. You know why? Because God forgives me. If I forgive someone today, God is going to forgive me. So the, the way of protection is forgiveness and the way of life is death. And death means death to self, death to society, death to family. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 to 8. Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. All right. So these are things that Jesus always taught about. And as you can see, it is so different. I mean, if you think about our current world, like, when you work in the corporate business world, where go people say the, the way up is down? Right? right? People will say, hey, every man for himself. It's a jungle out there, man. Survival of the fittest. Backstab. Whatever he does, just get the job done, you'll get promoted. And why, why can I say that? Because I, I, I've been working, I've worked in sales for like over 10 years and I've experienced it myself. You know, and, and that's one of the reasons why I always struggle with sales because it's like, it's such a cutthroat line of business. 
Because he's really every man for himself. Like, whatever I can get my hands on, it's mine. And if I can throw someone under the bus, then so be it. You know? But Jesus is saying the way up is down. That means learn to humble yourself. Learn to serve others before you can be exalted. I'm like, what? And, see, and, and you know why is it so um, important to know your strength? Because that's the only way you can lay down your strength. Because that's where you can lay it down. Because if you don't know your strength, what are you going to lay down? Because it's when I'm weak, He is strong. So I cannot exalt myself. I cannot lift myself up. I cannot be the one saying, I am good, I am good, I am the most talented, I'm the, I'm the most successful, I'm the most sophisticated, I'm the most... No. I need to humble myself. And to humble myself, I need to understand what are my strengths so that I can lay them down. You see, God's power is made perfect where? In our weakness. You want to get the most? Go to where the least is. You want to be free? Give complete control to God. And I think this is where a lot of us, including myself sometimes, we hold on to things. You know, because we feel like, oh, when I have all this control over all these things, right, that means I'm free. That's not true. Give complete control to God. That's when you're truly free. Because you don't have to worry about all these things. I mean, I mean, you can boldly come into the presence of God and say, God, I already give it up. What? I give up my home, my family, my finances to you, my work, everything to you. So you have to take care of me, God. You know, that's when you're truly free. You want to become great? Become the least. You want to find yourself? That's a very popular line nowadays. I'm finding myself. Really? Really? I'll come to that later. Okay? Want to find yourself? Forget yourself. Okay? You want honour? Think of others more than yourself. Want to get even with your enemies? Oh my. Bless, love and pray for them. That's the best way to get even with your enemies. You bless, love and pray for them. Seriously? Jesus? And not only were these things that he said, you turns from the way the world thinks, but so were the things that Jesus did. He was the creator, but he left heaven to become one of us. He was the king, but he came to serve and not be served. He was the saviour who was always existing. He is the always existing creator, the great and almighty one. But he died on the cross for sinful people. Everything about him is so different. How to stereotype Jesus? How to put him in a box? He's so different. I mean, talk about unpredictable. What good shepherd would risk the survival of 99 safe sheep to find the one sheep that was lost? Right? If you think about it, normal, normal logic tells you, I have 99, that's good enough. The one, one, too bad lah. Oh, wells, you know. But he says he will leave the 99 to find that one. What employer would pay last minute workers the same wage as those who had worked all day? You know about that parable about the workers in the field. What father would throw a huge party to welcome a son who blew his entire inheritance? It's the son, the prodigal son. This guy wasted his dad's property, his inheritance, his money. And rightfully, if you're an Asian parent, you are going to get it. Okay, if you are maybe an Angmo parent, you'll be like, maybe not. Lah. Okay, Asian parent, you are going to get it, man. Okay, you're going to get a earful. I don't know, you're going to be grounded, no, no allowance money, you know, you're going to be punished. And every gathering, you're probably going to hear about it. Okay, but guess what? He threw a welcome party 
for the person who threw away everything and came back. What father does that? What bank would reward investors who risk their clients' money in the future market while rebuking those investors who played it safe and took no risk but protected the money and trusted to them? Talents. The parable of talents. What guest would wait until the end of the party to surprise the host with 180 gallons of the best wine they would ever taste? Right? Usually they would save the best wine in the beginning where everybody is there. But he says here, he would wait till the end of the party to serve it. End times, when Jesus comes back, he's got the best in store for us. What kind of man would forgive and pray for men who are driving seven-inch spikes into his body? I don't know. I'll be honest with you. I mean, I'm here preaching today, you know, by the grace of God, but I'm telling you right now, if someone is persecuting me, especially physically, oh man, I really don't know what will I be saying. I don't know whether I'll be praying for them. Eh? I mean, I already injured my foot already. I want to kill. I want to punch the wall. I want to kill somebody already. Imagine if somebody's persecuting me, driving a, a, a spike through my body. Even though I came to love them, even though I came to, to forgive them, this person was just driving a, stri- a spike through my body and, and, and taking great delight in putting me on the cross. But yet he would f- forgive them for they know not what they're doing. Jesus was unpinnable and unpredictable. I mean, one day Jesus talks about peace. In, in, uh, and then the next day he tells his disciples, hey, you go and buy sword. Okay? And then you see him suddenly going to the temple, taking the whip and overturning tables in the, the temple. He's the same person who was just preaching about peace. The next moment you see him, oh, I kick the table, throw everything in the temple. Okay? One day, miracles seem to be flowing from him. Sometimes even without him knowing. He's like, who's that? Who, who's that? Who got healed? And the next day, his power is hindered by people's lack of faith. One day, Jesus calls out and encourages men to follow him. And the next day, he asked people who say they want to follow him, are you sure? Are you sure or not? Are you sure to follow me? Discourages them. Say, go back home. Leave your family. One day, he tells those who are healed, shh, don't tell anyone about it. I don't want to draw any attention. And the next day, he stands up in the middle of the synagogue on Sabbath day. And he was a man. Uh, Jesus is so hard to pin down. Imagine if you were his disciples. They're like, hey, John is like, hey, Peter, Pete, where's, where's Jesus? The usual, uh, picking a fight with somebody new today. <laughs> the, oh, okay, 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 got it, got it, got it. Okay. I tell you, I tell you who, who, who must have been really delighted in all of this? His siblings, I'm telling you. Imagine your whole life, right? You just hear from your parents, why can't you be more like Jesus? Imagine you are Jesus' sibling. Your whole life, why can't you be more like Jesus? Uh, why can't you be like him? Why can't you be like him? He's a perfect child, you know. And then, uh, imagine suddenly you hear a story about Jesus overturning tables in the temple, you know, and, and making people upset. Hey, mom, do you hear what Jesus did today? <laughs> oh, I got something to tell you today. Imagine his siblings, they might have been really happy, man. They're like, wow, they were waiting like, God knows, 30, 33 years, 30 years just to, to share all those stories. Okay? One day, when the crowds went to make him king, he walked away. And on another day, he rides right into the middle of the crowd as they shot Hosanna. There's this author, an American Bible scholar, uh, Walter Wink, and he said, if Jesus had never lived, we would not been, have been able to invent him. 
if Jesus had not lived, there is no mind, no greatest philosopher, the greatest of minds could not have been able to put together a Jesus because he went against every knowledge, every understanding, every notion or every, everything that we had known. Nobody could have created a person like Jesus. Nobody can be like Jesus. Jesus is a hard guy to pin down. He's a hard guy to put in a box. But that doesn't stop us today, does it? Why do I say that? Because we still try to define, tame, control, limit, mold, shape him into our own image. And, and, and society does that. They try to put God... And that's what idols are, basically. When people create idols, they are trying to put God within a certain image, a certain mold. But you see, I serve a God who cannot be put into a certain image or certain idol. He cannot be just restricted to just one place. My God is everywhere. He is, he is omnipresent. He's omnipotent. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. He's, he, he's all-powerful. But throughout time, man is always trying to define who Jesus is, who God is. They always have this perception, oh, but God, Jesus would never say that. Jesus would not do that. You know, people always have, this, God would not do that. God would not judge me. And people always have this perception and people try to put him in a box. Because everybody has an opinion of who Jesus should be. So, do we know if we have done this? And do you know when you know when you have done this? <laughs> when Jesus always seems to agree with us. That's when you know you have done this. That's when you know you have put Jesus in a box. When every time you want to make a decision, you say, yeah, I think Jesus will be fine with that. That's when, ding, you know you have put Jesus in a box. When Jesus seemed to agree with all your choices. You know Why? Because if anything, if you know about Jesus and the Word of God, everything that you feel and you think, Jesus usually says the opposite. In the first chapter of his book, Jesus Revealed, Mark Robert writes, By making Jesus fit our preconceptions, we obscure who he really was and who he really is today. We miss the point of his life and message, and not to mention his death and resurrection. Moreover, if we invent a pseudo-Jesus who happens to be just like us, then we completely miss the opportunity to be transformed by the real Jesus, to become more like Him, to live the life that He designed for us. So today, it's time for us to all take a fresh look at Jesus. It is time for us to see through a new pair of lenses. And it is time for us to embrace Paul's cry, I want to know Christ. And for the final statement this morning, statement number three, why we need to fully know Him. Fully, the emphasis on fully. Why we need to fully know Him. In the 14th chapter of Matthew, verse 22, verses 22 to 23, okay, I'm going to read this. Right away, Jesus made His disciples get into the boat, start back across the lake. And he stayed until he had sent the crowds away. Then he went up on a mountain where he could be alone and pray. Later that evening, he was still there. By this time, the boat was a long way from the shore and it was going against the wind that was being tossed around by the waves. A little while before morning, Jesus came walking on the water toward his disciples. And when they saw him, they thought he was a ghost. 
on Hungry Ghost Festival like that. They were terrified and started screaming. At once, Jesus said to them, Don't worry, I am Jesus. Don't be afraid. And Peter replied, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, Come on. And Peter got out of the boat and started walking on the water toward him. And Jesus said, and, 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 and when Peter got, and he started walking towards him, and when Peter saw how strong the wind was, he was afraid. He started sinking. And he said, Save me, save me, Lord, he shouted. And right away, right away, Jesus reached out his hand and he helped Peter up and said, You surely don't have much faith. Why do you doubt? And when Jesus and Peter got into the boat, the wind died down, and the men in the boat worshipped Jesus and said, You really are the Son of God. So the question is, why were the disciples terrified? Why were they scared? Why did they scream? You know, why did they stay in a boat? I think the answer seems pretty clear to me, at least to me. They were terrified, screaming, and stayed on the boat. The reason why is because they did not really know who the guy walking on the water in the middle of the crashing waves was. They really didn't know who Jesus was. That was their issue. Think about it. He had to reassure them. Don't worry. I am Jesus. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's really you. I mean, first of all, you've been hanging out with this person all this while. You've been seeing him do all these miracles and all these awesome things. And then you know he's there and he went to pray and you're waiting the boat and you're like, okay, I've got God with me. I mean, technically, you're like, Jesus is with me. Nothing can hurt me. And then the moment the waves come, you're like, oh my God, I'm so scared. And then you see this person walking on. Who in your mind can walk on water in the middle of a storm? Tell me. Like, who was the last person who was doing it? I mean, do you all know anybody who walks in a storm in crashing waves? Nobody. They should have known by, by then that it was Jesus. But the problem is they did not know it was Jesus. They did not fully know that it was Jesus. And, and even when he said, don't worry, don't be afraid, Peter still can say, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to the water. Even after Jesus said, it's me, Peter still had to say, if it's really you are, you ask me to come up. Wow. These disciples spent their lives with Jesus. And they still could not fully understand who he was. I need these words, eh? I need these words to play over my mind. And, and, and I hope it's the same for you today. See, I don't want to stay in a boat. I know that today. I don't want to stay in a boat. I know that there is another way to live and be. And right now, I may be huddled up in this boat and I feel like I'm surrounded by crashing waves of fear, doubt and uncertainty. Maybe that's for someone who's watching on live stream today or someone who's sitting here today. You know, you, you could be scared, you could be nervous, you, be, you could be anxious about your ability, your sin, your doubts about yourself. But you know what? It's not about me anyways. It's about you, Jesus. We need to tell God that. It's not about me, Lord. It's about you. You see, I can really sense Peter's cry. Eh? Lord, I so want to get off this boat. I so want to live a different life. I want to live a different way. I so want to ignore the winds and the waves. I'm so tired of just hanging on to the sides of the boat and looking at the place that I long to be. You see, there's always something in you, right? God has always created something in you to go deeper. 
there's always, there is a void, you know, and that void can always be filled up only by Jesus. Eh? And I'm telling you right now, eh, with, with all authority, I, I can tell you safely, right, the void in, in everyone's life can only be fulfilled by Jesus. And that is the truth. You know, and we spend all our lives, you know, trying to look for things to fill that void. You know, it, it could be social media, it could be a career, it could be a relationship, it could be wealth, it could be popularity, success, whatever it may be. We are always trying to fill that void with something else. But the truth be told is Jesus is always calling out. And that's why sometimes we always struggle because we always feel there's something more. Even when we have done something that we thought would help make us happy, there's always something that will always keep us discontented. You know, if, if I feel like, oh, I need to travel the whole world and, and experience it, I'll be like fulfilled. And then you travel the whole world, come back and say, you know what? No way. Or maybe I need to become the highest ranked person in this organization or I need to earn this much money or I need to own this house by this age. And you do all that. And guess what? You still feel discontented because Jesus created us for more. And you know what? Today we need to tell ourselves, God, I'm sick and tired. I'm sick and tired of staying in this boat and then hanging onto the sides because I know I should be there in the waves. I should be there on the water walking with you. And I'm convinced that we need to know who Jesus really is and fully is. Why? Because people who know who Jesus is, they get out of the boat. If you know who Jesus is in your life, you will step out of the boat. Because you know Jesus got your back. People who know who Jesus is, they walk on water. People who know Jesus is, they have no fear. People who know Jesus is, they have no worry. People who fully know who Jesus is, they live the life they were created to live. You see, Peter, you know, there might be a mark against him because he still doubted Jesus and he fell, right? When he doubted. But guess what? At least he got out of the boat. You see, I, I think it's more damning on you if you don't even get out of the boat. You see, Peter, he got out of the boat, he saw the waves, he got nervous, Jesus helped him. But what about the rest who are still in the boat? What's on them? You saw Peter get out, you saw him walking on the waves, what's stopping you? So we need to make, in our, make up in our minds today. We say, am I going to stay in the boat? And I'm going to let somebody else experience the miracles? Am I going to let somebody else experience all that Jesus wants them to be? Or do I want to step out of the boat? Okay? So we need to ask these questions to ourselves. Okay? So before I ask the questions, I want to go to this scripture. John chapter 1, verse 4. It is written, In Him is life. See, Jesus said on His way to the garden in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Finally, you can also find Jesus praying this in the garden. Now this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent in John chapter 17 verse 3. See, this scripture shows that Jesus is the only way. He is the only life that we need. He's the only direction that we need. And so we, it brings us to these questions that we need to ask ourselves. Why are we still afraid at times? If there's any assignment for you today, you know, before you come back next week, I would have you do this. You know, sometimes when you're doing care group, you know, sometimes you, you have discussions, points, and everything. And sometimes, obviously, when you're in school, if homework, I would ask you, if you're serious about this, if you're really serious about this and you, you want to change, right, ask yourself these questions. First question, why are we still, why am I still afraid at times? Okay? Why do we still worry? Why do we still have doubts about our worth 
value and purpose. Why do we still have some of the same struggles? Why hasn't Jesus impacted the way that we think, talk and live in a greater way? And finally, why do we, even though we hate it, choose to stay in the road? Think about it this week. Because these questions are going to help you to get a pass and get out of the boat. You see, again, the answer is right in front of us if you think about it, okay? Because we don't know who the guy is walking on the water, just like the disciples. And that's why we don't get out of the boat, because we don't know who Jesus is. And that's why we hang on to the boat. You know why? Because the boat is a comfort zone. It's a place that I know that no matter what, I'll be safe. You know, no matter what, I will look back. My reputation is not at stake. You know, I can just go through life, living for God faithfully, and, and be just, I'll be just fine. But maybe Jesus is asking you, why don't you do more? Why can't you reflect more? Why can't you share more? Why can't you participate more? Why can't you serve me more? But you're like, no, but Jesus, I think this is safer. I think my talents only allow me to do this. Or my abilities only allow me to do this. And we choose to stay in the boat. I, I honestly think, this is not a Bible scholar view, right? This is not written in the Bible. This is my personal opinion. I think that if Jesus wanted to, be, wanted to appear in the boat, he could have just appeared on the boat. This is my personal opinion. I mean, he's God. Okay, they, imagine if they were all sleeping or whatever they were doing. Jesus, he wanted, he from the shore can teleport straight into the boat if he wanted to. But he chose to walk on the waves. Don't you think that was an opportunity? Uh, an opportunity for a demonstration, right? Maybe God was showing them an opportunity to come out of the boat and experience this with me. Think about that. So, listen, when I speak of seeing Jesus, I'm not talking about seeing Him in the eyes of your head. No. I'm speaking about seeing Him with the eyes of your heart. Do you know that your heart has eyes? Paul wrote to us in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 to 20. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and this uh, and his incomparable great power for who for us who believe that power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead see in those verses paul is praying that the eyes of your heart may be open that you may see the hope to which he has called you so do you see hope today? You ask yourself that question. The riches of your inheritance and the great power available to you who believe. It is available to you if you believe. Alright? Understand there is a way of seeing that is much greater than just physical sight. And the gospel writers make it clear that sometimes even though people saw Jesus physically, they did not really see him. Okay? Check out what Jesus said about people who had just listened to him. You know, when he told the story about the farmer and the seed. Okay? In Matthew chapter 13, verse 13. Those seeing, they do not see. That's what he said. Though they are seeing, they do not see. Well, Jesus is giving like riddles like that, you know. In other words, what he was saying is they only saw Jesus with the eyes of their head and not with the eyes of their heart. 
They could only see Jesus for who he is, did not see beyond. You know? And I like what John Piper writes in his book, Seeing and Savouring Jesus Christ. He says, everyone can read stories about Jesus and see the portraits painted by the words of those who knew him. But not everyone sees truth and beauty and infinite value. Some see only myth. Some only see foolishness. Some might even be offended. Basically, people seeing but they do not see is though has a child who looks at the Michelangelo. He looks at the uh, maybe imagine you brought a child to a museum and he looks at the he goes to Italy, he goes to he sees a Michelangelo and he's like, man, comic book would be so much better. Why am I looking at this? Imagine the parents so excited. They're like, wow, I want to let you see the... Maybe I bring you to Paris. I want to let you see the Mona Lisa. I bring you to Italy. I let you see all this famous sculpture about David and, 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 and about all these apostles or, or this statue of Jesus in Brazil. And they bring you to see... And then the child is like, ah, yeah, I just wish I was in the playground. Yeah, I just wish I was, I was playing my game. That's, that's how some of us are. Because we don't see Jesus for who He is. And our version of Him is so limited that we would rather do something else. We, we are choosing to settle for a counterfeit today because we don't understand the true value. Because if you really knew the value, when, when I was on vacation in Italy, when I was in the museums and I went to Venice, I was like, wow, every corner I went, I was like, oh my God, this is so nice. Oh my goodness, I, I cannot believe I'm here. And they were like, the, the, the guards would tell us, don't take picture, cannot take picture, cannot take picture. And every day sneaking around trying to take picture. It's always the Asian tourists. It's always the Asian tourists. They tell you, don't do it. And then you will find somebody hiding there taking one picture. Excuse me, ma'am. Stop, stop taking picture. And I'm like, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Let me take a picture of you one more time. You know, they'll do that. They'll do that one. Why? Because you're like, I cannot believe I'm here. I need to capture this memory. I, I cannot believe I'm here in, in, in this place and I'm seeing all these portraits and these statues and I'm like, wow. Why? Because throughout my entire life, I, I, I've heard about so many stories about this thing. And, I, and when I'm finally there, I can begin to truly understand the value of it. And I'm like, man, I wish this moment would not end. And that's how Jesus should be in your life. You see, you can, you can hear all these stories, but he, he needs to become alive in your life. That when you're in, the, in His presence and when you have a relationship with Him, you're like, wow, I can't, wow, I can't believe I'm in a relationship with Jesus. Eh. Like, wow. I mean, how many millions or billions of people don't have a relationship with Jesus out there? Think about it. But I have a relationship with the one true God who can do anything for me, who has died for me, who has prepared a place for me and I have a relationship with Him and He can do great things through me. Things that I cannot do with my mere human abilities, Jesus can, can do. That's how we should approach. Okay? And the point that I'm trying to make this morning is that you and I have not really seen Him. Not to the degree that He wants to be seen by us. And John Piper is right. Seeing always presides savouring. But you have to understand, in a lot of ways, Jesus we see is that the Jesus on our mental mood board. All of us, like I gave you that, that white board as an illustration. I, I think usually ladies tend to have really very nice mood boards and all these things you will see on um, all these social media platforms and they will have all these postcards and they have all these pictures to collect your memories and you will have all these mood boards and, and we all have a certain mood board or white board. And we just start to put things about Jesus. We define Him. So I hope today's message helps us to maybe go back and erase some away. Say, yeah, I don't want to define Jesus this way. I don't want to limit 
Jesus this way. Because some of us, in our mood board or in our whiteboard, Jesus is very flat. It's not exciting at all. Jesus is very small. He's not really that big in our lives. That's why our problems always seem bigger. That's why always our circumstances seem bigger, much more worse, because Jesus is small. It may, I'm, I'm sorry, but it may sound I'm being harsh, but that is the truth. That is the truth. It's if our circumstances and our problems seems bigger, and I do not know what your circumstances might be, your problems might be, and everybody goes through different ones. But if they are, that means Jesus is small in your life. He is not who He is supposed to be. And, and, and I'm not scolding you, but I'm saying that we need to change that perception. It's not too late. It means Jesus is two-dimensional in our mood box. You know, we limit Him. And this is not good. And this is not the Jesus that we need. This is not the Jesus to cherish, admire, live lives of abandon for, and prize above all things. You see, as long as the church is boring, the things that the pastor tells me is boring, or the things that the Bible tells me is boring or restrictive, you will never want to live for Jesus. That is the absolute truth. You, you always hear this phrase out there, YOLO, you only live once. Go out, do all that you want. You know, I want to travel the world. I want to do everything that I want to do. Live life recklessly. Let me tell you something. It is possible for you to live life abundantly recklessly for Jesus. It is possible. The disciples did that. They lived their life recklessly, yeah. I mean, you talk about YOLO, the disciples did it. Eh? They, they were in the temple and then they will preach about Jesus when people were like, hey, don't, don't talk about Jesus. They'll be like, okay, go train, train, prison, come out. Still talk about Jesus. You know, don't do this. You will be beheaded. Nah, I'm going to do it still. Get beheaded. Talk about living on the edge. That was living on the edge. Eh? I mean, I, mean I, I sometimes think, oh man, I wish I can do skydiving. I wish I can do bungee jumping. You know, all these things. But, Imagine doing things for Jesus. And, and this is what some of our brothers and sisters are going, going through all across the world, living their faith, living on the edge for Jesus because it is a it's a persecuting time for them to live for Jesus. So think about what more can you do, you know? You see, have you noticed that a lot of people in our society are going through this thing called identity crisis? I mean, the question that a lot of people are always asking is, who am I? Uh? Who am I? You know, I mean, hopefully your IC tells you who are you are. You know. And in many, an attempt to answer that question, go on a journey to find themselves. You know, they take a trip, they pursue a relationship, they change locations, uh, try something new, all in an effort to answer this question to their identity. But you, you know what? I feel this is the wrong question to be asking. And it always has been. Over 3,000 years ago, an 80-year-old man stood on a mountain in Sinai Desert and asked the same question. Moses was standing before the burning bush. His sandals were off because he was standing on holy ground and he was having, guess what? An identity crisis. Exodus chapter 3, verse 7 to 10. The Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard the cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. Wow, 
That sounds beautiful right now, especially since I have not had breakfast yet. Oh, the land where the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Parasites and the Hivites and the Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. God himself comes to Moses and gives him. This is not like, like I sent a messenger, you know, I like a hearsay, you know, third party come in or whatever. Jesus, like God himself delivers his message to Moses, right? Guess what Moses says? Okay, guess what Moses says, okay? Um, who am I uh, that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites of Egypt? Who am I? Like God gives this phenomenal message, so inspiring, so motivating. He's like, you are going to bring them out because I'm going to deliver my people. I'm going to do all these things. And the Moses is like, bah, who am I? Ah? That I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites of Egypt. And do you know what? God did not answer Moses' question to his identity. Because Moses, when he asked back God, right, he put it back on himself. If you look at the scripture, right, God says, I have sinned. And I, I have seen, I have seen, I am sending you, you must lead my people. Everything that God gave the instruction is about him. Eh? He says, I've heard the cries of my people, you know, I've seen it, and I, I'm going, I am sending you, and you're going to bring my people back. So everything God said was about him. But Moses somehow managed to turn it about him. And he said, but, but who am I? Who am I? Who am I? And guess what? I do that sometimes. It's all like, oh God, really? You really want me to say this? God, really want me to do this? Really? Who am I? I, I, I had that. But get, get, guess what? God addresses it. And he did not answer his question about his identity. He did not say, Moses, this is who you are. You know, God didn't say, Moses, you're going to be the most meekest man, maybe. He didn't say, Moses, you're going to be this great leader. You're going to be this great orator. You're going to be this fantastic person. You're going to be, the, the book, there are going to be stories written about you. No, he didn't say all that. Instead, he told him, I mean, literally in the next very verse, he says, is the answer to Moses' question. God said, I, that would mean I am, will be with you. That's what he said. God said, I, the great I am, will be with you. You need to understand, Moses' fundamental problem, man's fundamental problem, in fact, both yours and my fundamental problem is not a self-identity crisis. It is a God-identity crisis. And as we come to the end of this message, if you want to know who you are, then you need to know who God is. Stop trying to find out who am I. You know, I was talking to pastor about this message and I'm like, wow, pastor, if end of the day, right, if I could summarize this message, right, Pastor, I feel like it's stop talking about self-identity. It's stop talking about identity crisis. It's about God's identity. We have a God identity crisis in our lives. And the moment we address the God identity issue in our life, then we will begin to understand who we are and what we are called to do and what we are supposed to do. When you find out who Jesus really and fully is, then only will you know that when you see the unseen, we see Jesus in all of His glory and we will savour Him. And we will learn to prize Him above all things. We will no longer settle for a counterfeit. We will truly appreciate Him for who He is. He's precious. 
He's great. He's almighty. And not only will we see and savour Him, but we will learn to reflect Him. In closing, in this scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we change into His glorious image. Why do we stand today? As God invites us this morning, I just want to ask to pray today and say, God, today, I just want to put away these preconceived ideas, Lord. I, want to, I just want to do away with all these false notions and stereotypes and cliches. Why don't we lift up our hands this morning today? Why don't we just pray in the spirit right now, Lord? Lord, I'm so grateful for this congregation. I'm so grateful for this community of believers, for my fellow brothers and sisters today, Lord. I'm grateful to be in your presence, Lord, to be able to share the word of God with such a precious group of people. But Lord, I pray, Lord, let us not walk in deception any longer. Lord, if we have been living with a limited a lot of view of who you are if we have been living in a stereotype or in, 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 if we have been buying into the lies a lot of the enemy of the world and of society and of what people say who you are and what you can do then forgive me Lord forgive me for I knew not what I was doing but today Lord even as I go through the word even as the word comes alive and the word makes sense to me I pray I will begin to examine my life today Lord Lord that today I will make an intentional effort a lot to start removing all those negative notes and perception I have of that whiteboard or that mood board that I have in my mind Lord all those negative perceptions that I have about you I want to just erase that a lot I just want to erase that Lord Lord forgive me if I've etched it in a permanent marker but help me today Lord I pray I plead the blood of Jesus over my mind today Lord renew my mind this day Lord Father I pray that today I will have a revelation. I pray for the congregation to have a revelation of who you truly are, O oh Lord. And we can never truly comprehend, but Lord, I pray each day that we live, even as we leave this service today, that you will begin to illuminate my mind. That you will begin to open up the eyes of my heart, O oh Lord. That I will begin to see you. I will begin to experience you. I will begin to view you with the eyes of my heart and not just logic and common sense, O oh Lord, Father. Lord, I pray, help me step out of the boat today, Lord. Help me, Lord, because you are always willing. You are always calling me out and say, Come, come, Lord, today I pray for those who hear Jesus calling out to you. Come, why don't you step out of the boat? Why don't you make a conscious decision to step out of the boat today? Lord, I pray you grant me the bonus. You grant me, Lord, the courage to step out of the boat because I can know that you've got me. That when I fall, you've got me. You will reach out your hands and you will save me. If I'm going to step out of my comfort zone, I know that you've got me, Lord. Because your word says so, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. I pray 
as the word has gone forth, Lord, I pray, let this word marinate in each and every one of our hearts and our spirits throughout this entire week, oh Lord, Father. I pray that you'll begin to reveal things about us that we might have to change, Lord. You'll begin to reveal things about us that I might have to act differently. I might have to speak differently. I might have to view you differently. I might have to change my lifestyle a bit more, Lord, Father. Just so, Lord, I can fully comprehend who you are because, Lord, end of the day, I just want to say this. I want to know you, Lord. I want to know you, Lord. Just as Paul said, I want to know Christ. And I pray that is our earnest desire today, even as we end this service, Lord. We want to know you, Lord. We want to know you, Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, thank you for your sweet presence. I feel the presence of the Lord in this place today. If you're watching live stream, this word is for you also. Why don't you just reach and raise your hands? And if it's appropriate, why don't you reach out to your neighbor and say, Lord, I pray you will help my brother and my sister, Lord. Lord, I pray this not just for myself. I pray this for my spouse. I pray this for my brother and my sister. I pray this for my friend. Lord, I pray this that they may come to know who you are. This revelation is just not for me, but it is for all who are willing to know about you. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Strip away. Strip away, oh Lord, at that paint, oh Lord. Strip away, oh Lord, at all these false things, oh Lord. They are hiding your real beauty in our lives. Let us polish up that image of Jesus. They will begin to shine in our lives because God meant for us to reflect His light. And as long as we are dimming His light, we cannot shine and we cannot reflect. But today, we need to shine for His light. And for that to happen, we need to manifest his light. We need to let him shine that light through us. Lord, I pray if anything's hindering us, Lord, anything that's hiding that light, I pray you do away with that right now in the name of Jesus. I pray you remove every debris. You remove anything that is a stumbling block. If I have a mental block, I pray you will help me today, Lord. Remove that mental block because I cannot do it on my own. Lord, I cannot do it on my own strength, Lord. I've been trying and I've been trying but Lord, I cannot. Lord, Help me today. Lord, today even as I give up myself and I surrender to you, Lord, help me remove those debris, those obstacles that have been, that have been causing me to have a mental block, a spiritual block. Oh, Yes, yes. 
Yes, I feel, I feel there are some people who are changed right now. I feel there is a change. There is a shift. There is a change. There, is a, there are people who are responding. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you're doing right now. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. If you're grateful, if you're grateful for what Jesus is, why don't we just praise the Lord in this place this morning? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And even as I end this message today, I can tell you, I really felt something shift. I, I really felt something change. And, and for some of you, the process has begun. I really feel it, uh, the process has begun. And for some of you, maybe it might be harder. Maybe it's a struggle. Guess what? This is a whole series. You know, if, if, if it's not now, it's going to be next week. If not next week, it could be two weeks from now. Or you could be during the week when you're having a devotional with Him. When you, you set aside time to spend time with Him and you say, God, I'm not going to wait till Sunday to have an experience with you. Why don't I just take, take some time to spend time with you? And why don't you talk to me today? Why don't you let me know what I need to change today, Lord? You know, and that's what He's going to be doing. And don't be discouraged. And I, I'm so grateful and I think it's awesome. Why don't we just praise the Lord one last time. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you very much. And uh, I believe I've come to the end of the service. You are dismissed. Uh, do I pass it to you, Brother John? Thank you very much. You are dismissed in Jesus' name. Thank you for coming. Uh, we'll go by zones. So those of you are zone one on my right,